0: This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, uh, like all of our episodes. Um, due to all of our patrons, to everyone else who's listening, we really hope that you had a great season, uh, regardless of if you celebrate any holidays or which holidays you celebrate. And uh, we thank you uh, for that. If you'd like to join the people who are supporting us, get a bunch of cool stuff, come join us in the Slack and join the conversation. Hit us up at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross, and you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast.
1: And this week we are reading your responses to The Witcher Three, the main game. And boy, Gary, um, this is the most responses we've ever gotten. I'm not
0: too surprised. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is a a great and popular game, Mm -hmm. and I I like to think that we do good episodes. And people people respond to this kind of thing.
1: Yes, it's by like that's the most popular by a factor of three actually. That's pretty intense. What's the second most popular? <laughs> Final Fantasy uh, Seven? No. The, 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 the second most popular was RE4. Okay. Um, and if we look outside of this, actually, to something like The Ringed City, it's a factor oh, of right two.
0: No. Okay. So still, it's still, still. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Mm-hmm. It is uh, twice as good as The Ringed City. Um, <laughs> yeah, putting it at a, at a svelte, six out of ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah so this i'm uh, really excited everyone uh wrote in we're going to go ahead and jump right into business yes uh,
1: uh first though uh because we had so many I had, to, I had to leave an awful lot off um please understand um that we did have to do some editing so i'm sorry if yours didn't make it in
0: yeah yeah it's not it's not personal we want to discourage you from writing into in the future it's just uh time is finite mm-hmm. and uh if things uh so you know it to get yours in you know keeping them kind of short and snappy and individual observations are best yes. as opposed to kind of holistic reviews uh, most people do that but just uh just so you know that's mm-hmm. kind of uh what we're looking for. Right. Um I'll go ahead and get started here. Um these are just kind of fun 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 responses here. Let's yeah. see let's uh here Bob uh, says by contact. Um I was going to skip Witcher 3 as my backlog is too vast to devote 100 hours to a game that wasn't a Star Wars or a Soulsborne game. But your first Witcher 3 episode convinced me to take the plunge. Thanks for nothing, jerks. Uh you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, Dick. <laughs> no, this,
1: is, this yeah. is a this is a common response that we got yeah. both on Twitter, in Slack and in these responses is people whose attention was uh, drawn to this game by the show, uh,
0: to which I will say my attention was drawn to the game by the show, too. Yeah, uh, And I'm glad like I, I like it when we can get people to play things that I think are good, Yeah, uh, you know, which happens a lot with uh, games we really love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm and I'm happy to uh, to get more people to play games that I like, yeah. not because they're objectively good, because that doesn't make any sense. But just because it is <laughs> feels kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Spread the word, you know, enthusiasm. Yeah. Enthusiasm is yeah. fun. And I, and I want this company to make money because I want them to, you know, even if cyber the cyberpunk game totally fails, I want them to be able to do something else. Yeah. And take another shot at it. And I don't think it will. I bet you it's awesome. Oh, sure. Uh, That's what we're going to end on. Preview. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, Jacob writes
1: in via contact with a message that is specifically designed to make Gary's head explode. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to comment that Gary had mentioned that he played The Witcher 3 as if he was good guy Wolverine. And I totally get that. But I took another approach. I love playing this game as a Jedi wandering the world after Order 66. Gary, Order 66 is when the Emperor um, said, Hey, I've seen the prequels. (laughs) I, I know. Okay.
0: Um it's it's a people people think that I don't like Star Wars because I am ignorant of Star Wars, and that is a common mistake i'm actually I haven't seen the two newest movies, but all the other ones I've seen one one to three times right
1: so. okay no it, it was also a joke to patronize you about Star Wars um, oh, <laughs> um equipped with my force push, Jedi mind trick, and in my mind dual wielding lightsabers doing good for the people in need. I know it limits me from using some of Geralt's better moves like Igni. Uh, but it is still the best Star Wars game since the Rogue Squadron series, and the best Jedi game ever made. Interesting.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. A way I wonder to do it. I would, that is a, that is a way to do it. I wonder how it like comports with the setting stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, not that Wolverine makes sense in in you know me- medieval Europe pastiche no. either, but the uh, you know it, it's further away from from Jedi times. <laughs> than it is from wolverine times
1: remember star wars is so far in the past that it's the future that's true. um that's true yeah um i i wonder how that goes with uh with with Geralt's moral ambiguity
0: i'm sure there's an option that you could that you could
1: bring into well that's it.
0: that's how the, the the that's one of the reasons why i don't like jedi is that, like they're not supposed to feel right so it ends up actually making sense like emotion is bad to jedi's hmm uh, okay, yeah. and, and then like other media, you know, Star Wars media gets critical of it. One of the other things about not liking Star Wars is ends up being that you learn a lot about it because people oh. <laughs> uh, take it upon themselves to <laughs> tell you about it People a lot. come at you, yeah. Yeah, so so it's – uh the, my understanding is like specifically KOTOR 2 and a lot of different uh, properties are very critical of that aspect of Jedi's. Mm-hmm. um And uh, that was one of the things that I hated most about the prequels was that the the whole idea that like being human or having an emotion is, is a weakness and a bad thing and this, yeah, them yeah. being – you know, and then it's like, oh, it's actually very critical of that, and it's like, yeah, but kids also pretend to be that in the in the yard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's 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 having its cake and eating it too,
1: kinda.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way, I me and me and my friend Will, uh, who is a fair weather Star Wars fan at best, but we had an idea for um, kind of a series of of different properties you could apply this to, but it'd be like a game show where uh, you'd hook me up to a series of like sensors and things you could just tell me like s- paragraphs like that like just be like oh you know like after order 66 when the Emperor, and just kind of tell me this thing and then you'd monitor my face for micro reactions and if they, <laughs> if there were any i'd get shocked and if i could make it to the end of like the wikipedia entry or what wikipedia entry on it or whatever then i would be fine and then if i if i you know showed any kind of displeasure or winced at all uh then, then i'd get shocked and it would be like this board gate this like Game show that would uh, end the concept of game shows after my ho- high profile death. <laughs> um, <laughs> after, after you cook on live television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to see a man literally based from the inside out <laughs> because somebody uh, expected him to talk about jizz whalers with a uh, straight face. Even though uh, next Saturday I'm going on Brian Wade's uh, podcast. Oh, nice. Just yep to talk about a secret i don't want to don't want to spoil it uh-huh. um because i don't know when he's planning to put that out but i am yeah. going on a star wars podcast so i'm diversifying uh, my interest in training for the uh, uh I the, mean, the electrocution games <laughs> you, 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 i mean you're you're also following in my footsteps on that too like yeah. it's, it's cool that it's cool that he can complete the set <laughs> i like brian wade enough that i will like i would go on a dragon ball podcast if brian wade asked me to because i love brian wade yeah <laughs> um moving on to kind of general which are three thoughts joshua says by contact one of my favorite things about The Witcher 3 is Geralt himself. At first blush, it's easy to dis- dismiss the White Wolf as just ha- another gravelly-voiced hard-ass in an ocean of said asses. <laughs> uh, but is this uh, Joshua Garrity? Yes. Okay. I was like, okay, this is, this is uh, Josh's writing style. Uh, but it comes becomes clear as the game goes along that this gruff demeanor is a form of PR performance for Geralt. He plays into the dead-eyed, emotionless killer stereotype that is The Witcher for the peasant masses, as ultimately this ensures his reputation spreads, he'll get more contracts, and maybe there'll be a decent meal in his future. This veneer starts to crack and crumble away when Geralt is around more familiar faces. In fact, he has many different personas depending on his current company. He can be a sweet, soft-hearted romantic, a dry, witty comedian, and best of all, he can be a complete goof when he's suddenly confronted with a task or interpersonal situation that's outside his field of knowledge. That last part is key, as the writers understand that a character being competent doesn't mean that they need uh, to be competent in all things in all situations. Geralt is at the top of his field within his profession, but knows his limits and will seek out aid from friends and acquaintances when there are gaps in his knowledge and ability. This is so refreshing when many RPGs, like the ones from Bioware and Bethesda, cast you as the role of oh-so-important one. In a lot of games, your relationships with others is a one-way street. They need you, you, but you don't really need them, other than to receive your daily helping of ego-boosting praise. Geralt's relationships are give-and-take. Both parties need something from each other, and this is why they feel more relatably human. Siri takes on the Masonic role here, but choosing to turn this trope into a supporting member of the cast actually serves to further highlight that Geralt is just a cog amongst many uh, uh, many other important moving parts, rather than the entire engine driving the story forward. Playing as Jesus is never going to be as interesting as taking the role of a dude or dudette, just trying to do their gosh darn best against the impossible. Very well said. Yeah, really well said. Um, that's, I, I think we kind of circled around it, but I don't know if we said exactly that in the episode. So way to, way to, you know, I definitely, I agree with you. Like I also pulled that from this, Mm -hmm. um, super, super good. Yeah.
1: I love the idea of Geralt, uh, properly representing the Witcher brand,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's definitely like the conclusion I came to is that it was an act, Mm -hmm. you know, during that thing. And I love this, this idea of him, uh, having friends because like you have something like, you know, people get a little bit irritated when you, compare this game with other big rpgs but i think it's really illustrative you know you end up with like something you know i never feel like the the, your friends in like my your friends in dragon age 2 or dragon age inquisition like were your friends but it didn't feel as like lived in because it wasn't a two-way street right like at the end of the day you're still calling the shots you go and do a loyalty quest for them to get your meters up and maybe have sex with them but you don't you know have uh uh, it doesn't feel lived in Mm -hmm. like an actual like hey you know well, you look over my resume. I helped you move last week, just on <laughs> just on a grander scale.
1: Right, right. You know, yeah. Or um, I
0: mean, more. Um, you
1: know, I think starkly comparing this to an Elder Scrolls, where you are literally everything. Yeah, you were everything, like I, I, and other people I, exist to either die for you, um, or they exist as signposts that tell you where to go next.
0: I uh, I ended up uh in a moment of intoxication. I bought Skyrim for Switch. Okay. Because uh, I, I and it was when I thought I was going home, and I was like, this will be a great plane game because like. It would be, um, and I I played I only played for about an hour or so, and it's uh you know because as much as I I badmouth that game, it's like it's always, I like that game. Oh yeah, it's fun to like run around and like
1: go into a cave and fight a
0: necromancer, yeah. you know? Yeah, it has tons, it has tons of problems, but it, yeah. it does a lot of cool things too. Um, so I bought that, and it is so surreal to play that game. <laughs> go like, going
1: going from this to that.
0: Yeah, where <laughs> like everyone just literally like weirdly pivots on a pole, mm-hmm. turns towards you, and tells you what their motivation is and what to do next, you know, with no flourish. Yeah. Like you, like the first uh, house you go into with the little girl, like the, the wife and the husband, and they all just like weird, st- like stiffly pivot towards you and just say like, you're gonna have to go to White on, you know, it's <laughs> just like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't seem real that, like you, you are, you are, you're the, you're the moose out front, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's a whole, a whole world of the moose out front. You know,
1: <laughs> the whole world of moose out front yeah uh
0: it is just uh uh it's really really hard to go back to yeah um (laughs) that's the difference that four
1: years um and also a completely different uh let's say design design aesthetic or value will make
0: yeah Yeah. well even you know i I started replaying Witcher one as well and Mm -hmm. it's doesn't do that right you know like it's definitely cruder than this but the the characters talk like like they're in a novel you know right. appropriately enough like they they it sounds like dialogue it doesn't sound like quest giving mm-hmm. so yeah um pretty pretty amazing like that's one of the biggest things i took away from this game other than just being one of my favorite games like i've ever played but also just like it really does recontextualize other big rpgs in a yeah. major way
1: it's a little bit of like a um what is it bob said playing
0: dark souls ruin other games for him it's it's kind of a scales from the eyes moment a little bit yeah they love glasses yeah you know, it's like oh, like oh, every character in Skyrim like may as well just be a sign, right? Like every single character. Yeah, you know, whereas like you can't you couldn't turn like dandelion into a sign. No, you know, the dandelion wouldn't fit on a sign. Yeah,
1: exactly. It'd be a, it'd be a scroll at worst. Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's see here. Logan writes in via contact saying. I had zero interest in this game, mostly due to the sexism of the first fo- the first two titles in the series. And the first review that I read, on Polygon I think, confirmed my fears about how the game would treat and depict women. As evidence of the game's attitude toward women, the author of the review pointed to the Red Baron questline, where he wrote that the player is asked to sympathize with a wife-beater, um, and to a moment when a major female character is tortured. Then I read some comments about the game by the author Joe Abercrombie. ...whom I love and whose work takes what I think is a fair and healthy attitude towards gender I- gender issues. He convinced me uh, to give it a shot and, well, yeah, even with the clunky combat, it's one of my favorite games of all time. And it's not a sexist game. In fact, it may be one of the most feminist games ever made. The narratives and quests are so skillfully written that they act as kind of a litmus test for the player's own sexism. It doesn't ask you to sympathize with the Red Baron, but you can if you want to. It does ask us to see the Baron's humanity which I think is much a much more nuanced and courageous choice, a much more adult choice. Likewise, the torture scene. Our companion, who is a woman, asks us not to intervene, no matter what we hear. Not to come to her rescue. That person quotes, um, and no doubt it's an uncomfortable moment, but it's about giving her agency. Like so much of this game, trusting that this female character knows what she wants and can handle it. Did you rescue her? Would you have rescued her if she'd have been a man? Or would you have trusted that he? Uh, or would you have trusted that he knew what he was doing and could endure it? These are the kinds of moments which come up again and again in this game, and which, for me, elevate it into something truly special. The Witcher Three doesn't gloss over the sexism of its world, and it doesn't impose any particular attitude upon the player either. A group of soldiers discuss how sexy how sexy a character is, even uh, uh, even though she's smart, uh, and you can agree with them, or you can challenge their assumptions that smart that smart women can't be hot. This game is as is as sexist as the person playing it. Yeah, well said as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I don't feel comfortable like taking a re- like too terribly strong of a stance on this because obviously it deals with sensitive stuff and people have their own sensitivities about it. Like I, I I can't take away of anything that anything that Logan said you know talked about made somebody uncomfortable, but I I do think that that is a really even handed
0: look at yeah like, the way like the, the, the like, game handles it. Absolutely. Like, feelings are real, you know, and everyone draws their own line. Right. I think that um, there is an urge to kind of look at media and determine its kind of uh, value as far as far as being sexist in terms of, like, a, a checklist. Right. Like, a game that features X, Y, and Z is, is sexist. But if you do that, it is too crude a tool, and you end up with this being the equivalent of, like, Duke Nukem Forever. Right. You know, like, oh, like, you have a, a main character who is you know uh, pursuing sex and who uh, you know, and you have women in, in some unfortunate situations, you know, which is true of like, like the, the grossest, like Duke, you come forever, which I couldn't play, (laughs) you know, was too, was too gross. Right. Right. Like it is just uh, at the very least, it is more complicated that like, I think that you could like take a look at this game and you could sit down and really evaluate it and come to the conclusion, like actually, you know, here's why it is not great as far Mm -hmm. as far as sexism stuff. But it is not what it is on first blush. Like it is something that I think demands digestion, regardless of where you fall on it. Right. Um, and not that I say that when I say demands, it like, doesn't mean every you know, people could just look at this and be like, Yeah, I can't play a game where, where a woman gets tortured, period. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. Right, like, right. Fine. Super cool. Like that <laughs> for, doesn't bother for, me for if any you're number not reasons, it. yeah. Yeah, like that's that's fine. Yeah. Um but the idea that it is the equivalent or is just as bad as a game that, like, tries to titillate you with that torture, mm-hmm. you know, again, I just Duke Nukem Forever because that's, you know, the, the poster boy for this. But, like, a game where that happens, right? Like, women sexually moan as they're being exploded from alien fetuses or what have you, mm-hmm. whatever happens in that game, you know, but it's meant to turn you on. Right. It is just such a better handling of it that is worth something. Right. It's up to you to decide how much you think that's worth. Mm -hmm. but it's worth something as far as balancing that scale. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, This game shouldn't be, I I don't believe this game should be evaluated on a pass fail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's why I think too, like, and you could come into it and you could even, it could be piecemeal. Like you could go through the game and I would be interested in reading that. Like if somebody wrote a thing that's like, Hey, you know, this, this part worked, this part Mm -hmm. did, you know, as far as this goes and here's why, like that is much more interesting take than kind of the outright dismissal because it, hit certain checkboxes yes. we're, we're going to see some rebuttals to this later on not direct
1: rebuttals yeah. but you know minor call outs like there's a whole section of this of this episode that's like
0: things that are not entirely praise <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah which is which is fine too like i'm interested in that yeah. it is just uh the thing that i think that i can 100 percent get on board with logan on um well, i mean I, I largely agree with logan in mm-hmm. general but like the thing i can get 100 percent on board is that like outright dismissal of this is probably too crude of a tool Right, uh, for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Paul says, by contact. By the time The Witcher 3 was set to be released, I was a Geralt super fan. Like many people in the English-speaking world, I was introduced to the franchise by the first game, which, despite its significant flaws, piqued my interest in Witcherland. I ended up reading the entire series of books, buying official releases when I could, and reading fan translations when I couldn't. After playing Assassin of Kings, uh, I was a dedicated CD project and Sap- Sapkowski... Uh, partisan. Um, even so, when I saw the preview footage for Wild Hunt, I had some misgivings. Assassins of Kings was a fantastic game, but it was generally a linear experience. From the writing to the graphics, you could uh, you can tell that the care and attention was made only possible by its reasonable scope. When I saw clips of the beautiful open world in Wild Hunt, I feared that CD Projekt Red was biting off more than it could chew. Needless to say, The Witcher 3 knocked my dick into the dirt, and it became one of my favorite games of all time. I couldn't believe uh, that what I was still imagining as an underdog team of developers had put together something with such breadth and polish. The writing has such heart and feels so true to the source material that it makes the previous games feel like fan fiction, which in fairness they are. Combined with the scope of the open world, it really defies all reasonable expectation. Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation has said the Wild Hunt gives lie to the trade-off of open world versus tight narrative. I'm not entirely sure he's right. The trade-off is real. CD Projekt Red simply overcame it with Herculean labor and painstaking care. And all of it uh, could have been flushed down the toilet without the S-rank localization that even manages to consistently land jokes in translation. If I had to cite one flaw, it would be that Novograd wears out its welcome by the time you move on. The city, of Marv- the city is a marvel of graphical design and detail, but it disrupts the game's natural rhythm of alternating quests, contracts, and wilderness exploration for too long. I think it would be better experience in multiple brief visits rather than one long mid-game act. But really, I'm just happy that you guys are able to put uh put aside the December slot to play this. The Witcher 3 is one of those Dark Souls tier games that take uh that you take pleasure in evangelizing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um one of my favorite uh podcasters, who's mostly a technology commentator, but also does uh kind of like media and culture commentary on the incomparable, John Syracusa often mm-hmm. talks about um Kind of like the degree of difficulty of a thing, mm-hmm. like acknowledging that as a as as a part of what was accomplished, separate from the actual quality of what of what happened. Remember, like back when I talked about like nine 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 as this you know incredibly complex machine that accomplished nothing. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was like a high degree of difficulty that didn't accomplish much. You know, Paul makes a very good point. I think this echoes a point that we made in the in the first episode was that like this was them solving the Gordian knot um by putting as many hours into it as possible often at the expense of their staff but they accomplished something of tremendous uh, tremendous level, level of difficulty um that also is worth accomplishing
0: yeah yeah it, it's i like those two things that on two different axes as well Yeah, you know it comes up a lot um <clears throat> not usually on the scale because even though something that uh you know it's not like skyroom didn't take tons of work you know, or yeah. inquisition didn't take tons of work but like it comes up a lot of times in discussions of like indie games mm-hmm. right like it was a common thing when we covered salt and sanctuary for bonfire side chat and like, didn't love it. And I was like, Hey, that was two people. And it's like, well, it was a lot of work, right? Like it doesn't, you know, and I think that we took pains to, to, to point that out that like, there was a lot of effort. The difficulty of the thing is to be respected. It is on a different axis mm-hmm. than the accomplishment of the thing. Right. You know, and uh, I like thinking of those two things different. And I don't think this game gets quite that credit on that, especially in the translation, which I don't think we talked about at all, but like, this is it has to be one of the finest localizations that have ever been done. Yes, um, like at no point does this feel like a localization.
1: The, the way they accomplished that was it was written
0: simultaneously in English and Polish. That's really cool. Yeah, like again, just tons of work. You know, like overcoming the problem by putting in tons of work and just putting the resources in. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like, you know? know, there's a reason you just don't see this because not not like that kind of work and that kind of effort is both expensive. Um, yeah, you know, I, I. I I shouldn't have phrased that as a both. That kind of effort is expensive, often on a human level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was in this case, too. Yeah. You know, like it was it was a bad game to work on, yeah. you know, by, by all accounts. So, like, it wasn't free, you know, what they got. But you can't argue with what they got. Yes. You know, it's up to you whether the juice is worth the squeeze. But it's good <laughs> juice. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom,
1: the optimist writes via contact. I read m- uh, most of the books in middle school by pirating English translations. The Witcher 3 is probably one of my favorite games of all time, but I always worry about parts of the game's story being impenetrable to the non-book reader. The reason I bring this up is because I was hanging out with friends for a movie night. I had my new laptop with a free copy of the game and was playing it absentmindedly as my friends argued over what movie to watch. Being an awful person, I was playing without headphones, and I eventually heard someone say behind me, Slow down, as I paged through some text. Two of my friends had started watching my screen rather than discuss the possible movie choices. And within a few minutes, someone plugged an HDMI cable into my computer, and we ended up watching the entire Priscilla storyline for movie night. Um, (laughs) The game was well-written and well-acted enough that uh, even in the case of just someone watching over my shoulder, we could all enjoy it. As a side note, one friend, a voice actor who will remain nameless, absolutely lost her shit when she found the concerned citizen serial killer burned her throat with acid um she was inconsolable throughout the last leg of
0: that story yeah yep yeah that would be uh that would be a a, a harsh harsh thing to a voice actress, yep. as, for uh, sure you know, and as a person who speaks yeah. for a living yeah <laughs> yeah I, I would i as a person who speaks in general or a person with a throat as a as a as a throated individual <laughs> right. i prefer not to have acid in my throat yeah um <laughs> yeah it is uh, uh it does have i i have not watched this this game and kind of my time watching games uh, is kind of over, you oh. know, like I don't have roommates. I don't, uh, you know, so like the kind of that thing that was a big part of my youth Um, now only really happens through speed runs, you know, and very, very occasional let's plays. Like, I don't I don't watch a lot of let's plays, but right. I imagine this game working really well on that level uh, just because it is a story, yeah. you know. Very dense, so I could definitely see that for sure, for sure um moving on to kind of specific thoughts about the witcher 3 uh thanks to everybody who responded so far and thanks to everyone who's going to keep responding sorry <laughs> to do that thank you in the middle uh <laughs> just, there's so many I'm just taking a thanks break yep <laughs> um gerald says by contact uh, a lot of sugar i would talk about this game will probably be covered so i want to talk about something that is kind of niche the thing that stands out to me most in this game is its realism as someone who wasted his money on a ba- wasted his money on a ba in history this game's realism pushed me to finish it immediately it may be lost on a lot of people, but the art style of this game is incredibly grounded in the, high, or in the late High Middle Ages, to the point of being history porn. There are no giant swords full of spikes. There are no huge shoulder pads. It's all either based on historical fact, in terms of arms and armor, or loosely based on fact. Uh, you've got dudes in painted armors, dudes in gambesons, half-plate, weird uh, tied-together outfits, cod pieces. It's all there. And for the most part, that's uh, what they would have looked like in 1450 Central Europe. As someone who plays video games, I love gameplay. As a historian, holy shit, does that scratch this itch? It feels real and lived in because the art team knocked it out of the fucking park and based their styles on history instead of giant spiky shoulder pads. Yep, and shoulder yeah, pads. Twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, this this is a, a, a real. This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, that I totally get. There's um. There's a YouTube guy named, uh I watch sometimes, and again, no milkshake ducking, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um called Lind, lindy beige i think who does a lot of uh videos that were like hey you know could you actually do this with a sword this thing happens in movies all the time like could you actually do this with an arrow you know yeah. what good were torches in actual and it's really it's really cool i recommend that for anybody yeah. um like, and like a it, like a
1: Mythbusters kind of thing
0: yeah exactly but specifically with like medieval arms and, and armor stuff mm-hmm. um and the uh i recommend that for this this kind of thing and this game is definitely closer to to what I understand from watching those videos, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that that does make a difference. Like, it does make things feel grounded and real and have kind of like a just a general weight to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have no basis of
1: knowledge on which to base agreement or dis- disagreement. I just know that this aesthetic really works for me. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. And I, didn't, I, I didn't feel taken out of anything. Yeah. And like, I think a
1: lot of it even comes down to like or can be encapsulated by the, the quest that you do for the armorer. Right, oh, where yeah. they're discussing like the trade offs that are inherent in a piece of armor that accomplishes a particular goal,
0: you know. Yeah, and I'm sure that's intentional too. Like I'm sure yeah. that quest was included, at least in part, to underline why you're not wearing huge like Warhammer 40k mm-hmm. Dreadnought shit. Yeah, and... <laughs> because because
1: Geralt has a specific a specific requirement. He needs to be able to put it on himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put it on himself and move. Um, let's see. That was me who said that. No, that was you. That was me. Here's me reading Riley's response, which was sent in via contact. I played through the Witcher trilogy last year and could gush about how much I loved it for hours. But instead, I want to focus on just two, mo- two moments and how effective they were emotionally. The first is when you meet up with the Doppler doodoo before finding Ciri and Geralt asks him to take her form to see what she looks like all grown up. With only the expression on Geralt's face, You can see his love for his daughter, how he misses her, and how he worries for her safety. Geralt isn't some boring, unemotional badass. He's very much a person, and that's why I like him so much. Second is how much I loved the bittersweet Empress Ciri ending, and how thematically right it felt. It's the perfect ending for a story about parenthood. Ciri is a grown woman, she's making her own decisions, and moving on with her life. Doing something which will help the world on a massive scale, entirely of her own free will. Becoming Empress is the right choice, but a child growing up and moving away will always be sad for both parties, even if they will see each other again. The series' dies ending is emotionally impactful too. Geralt's line, you lie, I don't feel a thing anymore, is one of the most crushing in any game. In all the game's endings are a perfect encapsula- encapsulation of how the happiest ending isn't always the most satisfying one, because in terms of quality of ending, Witcher series is by far
0: the worst yeah like or like you know my worst meaning like least emotionally resonant right i think in, in that situation i was happy with siri becoming a witcher but that could have been me succumbing to like just wanting this character who i liked <laughs> to, to be happy right <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. um i like all the the bad endings like i mm-hmm. watch the bad endings and they're good like yeah. you know um so I, I definitely get that point yeah but yeah well, well said in general um you know the 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 Geralt Siri relationship is mm-hmm. the the emotional core to this, and I think that they nailed it.
1: Yeah, um, the um, the Doppler scene, like you don't have to, like it's it's not something you have to do to make Dudo mimic Siri to see what she looks like. You can decide to look away from it, like that. Yeah. that that's entirely optional.
0: Yeah, you know it, it's pretty, and the the dialogue around that. I think when you were, if you refuse to do it, which I think I did, um, the way you say it acknowledges how hard that would be. You know, as a thing, um, very, very good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's with a character named Doodoo uh, right in the middle. Like his name, his name is you know is is how Andre three thousand says poop. Like it's, it's 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 you know it's it's not uh it it it's the man they managed to sell that with a character named Doodoo in this, the scene. You know, so yeah,
1: well, well, arm, well done with one arm time, one, one arm tied behind the doo
0: doo. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> one, one, yep. One, one arm with a handful of shit. <laughs> shit. Uh, Matt says via contact. I was thrilled when y'all announced that you'd be covering Witcher 3 as it is a, such a special game and fits so well into the format, albeit expen- expanded, that works for your show. Just wanted to share my favorite small moment as the monster contract episode hasn't aired yet. So I'm not sure if either of y'all saw it, saw it. Uh, Before heading off to a new land in Blood and Wine, I wanted to handle all the monster contracts and discover most of the locations on the original maps. One of the monsters ended up being another witcher, one who had slaughtered an entire town, granted after they tried to uh, stiff and stab him, save for a little girl. After you dealt uh, with the witcher as you wished, you could get the little girl to a family a few towns over, closing the quest. After taking care of a few more missions, I decided I was ready to tackle Blood and Wine. I decided to stop by the town where I left to see if any sort of dialogue would play out. The girl was waiting by the entrance of the town, surprising me with a gift. Upon checking my inventory, I saw that it was a crayon drawing of the two of us, the sort that you could imagine being on some sort of Witcher fridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was such a small, sweet... Man, the Witcher fridge would just be full of like rotting heads. Yep. Like, it'd be like that fridge and it's always sunny. It's, like they, they find. <laughs> like, um, it's just such a small, sweet gesture for the game to make, and such a testament to the level of respect that the game treated the player with throughout. It was also uh, the perfect goodbye to a land where I'd spent the last 100 or so hours. Yeah,
1: We we did mention yeah. that. Uh, I saw
0: that. Gary didn't. But it bears mentioning again because sweet is the perfect word for it. There's a lot of things like that in this game where uh, they tie up loose ends. Yeah. You know, like if you save the crookback orphans, like they go to a specific orphanage. Right. You know, like they, they, they don't let that stuff just kind of disappear. Again, the world makes it makes the world feel more real around you rather than just things for you to bounce quests off of. Right. You know, um, and that—that's a really great example of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Consequences will play out whether or not you're there.
0: Yes. You know, which is you know what like that is, you know that's that's been the dream for a long time, right? You know that's that's a uh, that's that's how oblivion happened. Mm-hmm. That's why like you know a character will steal an apple and then slaughter an entire village. You know in oblivion, like yeah, because because of that, and it just it just better. There's
1: th- done better. There was a response that was written in the subject line. Um, uh, was this is what fable should have been. Mm. And for whatever reason, I I decided not to include the, include the response, but that is a very, that is a very well observed point.
0: You know? i never played any of the Fables games. Uh, Fable, two, big, big Fable 2 is quite good.
1: I mean, as long as you go and recognize that they're going to just be like serviceable action RPGs, um, mm. they're, they're fine.
0: I, uh my, my, my friend Derek, who I talk about a lot, Um, he, his roommate, I remember going over to their house uh, several times and he was playing Fable 2. And I went downstairs and it was just him hammering at an anvil. <laughs> and then, like, I went upstairs with my friend Derek and hung out for a couple hours, and we watched a movie or something. Went back downstairs, and he's still just doing it. <laughs> and I was like, "So that's the entirety of what I know about Fable 2 is like dog and anvil, <laughs> yeah. um, dog but- anvil,
1: and you become king." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. What does uh? Oh, this this is this is you, my this friend. is me. God, I keep doing that. Uh, That's okay. Bear writes in via contact saying, I'm not sure how much of this you covered in the third episode, but I'd like to talk a little sugar about my new favorite character in the game. Not my new favorite character, my favorite character in the game. Deekstra. He's a guy that to start with appears just as another gruff gangster asshole, but is humanized in the way that he quickly became my shining light of this game. Bad boys turning out to be secret. Good boys is one of my favorite tropes. (laughs) Um, At one point you screw him over. Uh, he basically says no harm, no foul, and even offers you more work. If you don't romance Triss before she leaves, he chides you for it, saying that Triss is clearly in love with Geralt. Uh, and then there's his, and then there's this big speech about why he's doing the work he's doing, helping mages, etc. He wants to start a scientific and industrial revolution to create a society governed by the masses with fair, independent courts. And then suddenly, in this world of ninety percent literal shit and death there's someone who actually sounds kind of reasonable. Then comes the quest later in the game, and you're forced to make a choice. Do you work with Geekstra and give him control of Redania and Temeria, or do you side with your old pals from the, from the Witcher 2, including Vernon Roche, who is basically by your side through the entire second game? In the end, I sacrificed my buddy Roche, and I, uh, I have never been happier. I got oh, the... Roche. <laughs> <laughs> He just cared so much. Yeah. Um, I got the Deekster ending uh, where he went on to rule the kingdoms and institute the policies he talked about. And the things kind of sound like they turn out okay, especially compared to the other political endings. Anyway, you might have covered all this in episode three, but I wanted to add my perspectives as someone who's played The Witcher 2, uh, which is also a very good game and far more playable than the first. Yeah, yeah, Dijkstra's great. Yeah, both of us sided against Dijkstra, Uh but that's more because yeah. he hoodwinked
0: us and tried to betray everybody. It, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I, my my Witcher doesn't get tricked, so no, that, that's no. that's the entirety of, of it. But I'm really looking forward to uh, finishing Witcher one, so I can move on to Witcher two mm-hmm. and actually like see some of these characters who I grew to really like from three. Yeah, and see them uh, uh, articulated. Yeah, Dijkstra being context.
1: Dijkstra being um cultured. You know, like that, that mm-hmm. that's a common thing, like, oh, the the big tough guy who actually turns out to be, you know, have a, a kind of have a heart of gold, but also really know a lot about like plays and shit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a common thing, but it still works on me.
0: Oh, yeah, I love it. Like it is, uh, you know, pretty much all the moments that he's he's there. I really I really find him charismatic. Right. And good. Um, it is it is one of those things, too, where like, I don't think it is worse because I I didn't. Uh, or better because I didn't play Witcher 2, mm-hmm. but I kind of loved like just going in here and, and just having this kind of hello Newman like relationship <laughs> with him. Yeah, you know, like it's still like, again, that's just, you know, uh, again, like a, a testament to the three, but it just felt right. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could pick up enough context clues to kind of give it a, a general idea, even if I didn't turn out to be wrong, it ended up working right in the scene so every time they were together like it worked really really well i love the part where you don't romance dress, and he like tried you for it like right. i didn't bring that up during the episode but it happened and even though i knew like okay like i'm playing my guy as a Jennifer as a man um it does make you feel like you fucked up right. in the same way like one of your friends might be like dude yeah. you know like <laughs> you're you're gonna regret this like right. um very you know very good very lived in mm-hmm. um moving on to our responses about specific quest we have uh, my friend and yours Willa hughes my good buddy uh, says via contact. <clears throat> the carnal sins quest in Witcher 3 is amazingly elegant insofar as it manages to combine almost every single shitty thing about an otherwise great game in one neat misogynistic little package. Our gritty heroes motivated motivated by violence against their female love interest. Check characters we're supposed to dislike earmarked by their casual hatred of women. Yep. Leering camera work that highlights women's naked bodies, even though they're in the process of being abused? You betcha. And even beyond the misogyny, there's stuff uh, like the bit where you're forced to bounce over the sprawling map to track the killer, or the most egregious fault, from a design point of view, the absolute uh, obviousness of the villain's identity, and the player's inability to clue Geralt into the situation as soon as it becomes apparent. The last bit is especially annoying in light of something like the earlier quest, A Tower Full of Mice, which, while still about a dead woman... Because that's The Witcher 3's favorite topic, apparently. At least expects you to solve the mystery for yourself, making Geralt seem savvy and smart. It's a bummer. Autopsy detective Geralt is one of my favorite flavors of Witcher gaming, dating all the way back to the first game. But The Wild Hunt fucks up this investigation from square one. Um, I re- I really like that quest. I think we we talked about it in in the thing. I did not have that that yeah, experience with yeah. it. When, when I when um, I
1: said people people don't like that, I was specifically I, I read Will uh one of Will, one of Will's tweets about it. Um, yeah. And wanted to represent that point of view, but then Will came through and represented himself anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm glad that he did that. I think that like me and Will have talked about this game a bunch. Like me and Will, uh, we have winging with Will uh, <laughs> most Tuesdays, and we go and eat chicken wings after uh, you know uh, around nine thirty at Fire on the Mountain or <laughs> the Burnside. Go eat those wings; they're good. Um, give me free wings. In the uh, uh, so we we talked about this game a little bit, but not to this this degree. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't feel like that was. The thing like it didn't strike me as misogyny any more than like the killer in sevens motivation was misogyny mm-hmm. you know like that that's what it struck me as closer to yeah um it's a little it's a little genre-y you know it's a little bit it's a little a little 70 mm-hmm. and i can see that being kind of a problem of it being shoehorned in the game but it definitely yeah. didn't bother me to that degree yeah. um and i also had the moment which like again i understand why you know maybe i'm a dum dumb and that's why this happened but i had the moment of thinking i got the killer and then finding the note a couple of days later which was like a really really awesome thing that like games can do yeah, that yeah. other media can't do like oh like i fucked up it wasn't like i read a story about somebody who fucked up yeah um and that was a really great feeling mm-hmm. you know so there there was a lot to recommend this for me um i did not find have that same problem
1: yeah i can see it as um you know, I, I was, I was fine with the quest as well. I think we'll raise some good points here, some stuff that I just didn't notice because I was along for the ride. Um, mm. one thing that, that it does do is it kind of stands out. Like you said, it is kind of genre y and it's one of, you know, maybe a, a couple of quests. I don't know that I can name the others, but it is a quest that highlights that like, yeah, these quests have like different designers or they were designed at different times or different writers. And sometimes those incongruities are so great that they just don't match up on, on either end. Right. Yeah. So like this, this stands out um and you're always going to notice the uh the sore thumb
0: right yeah Even yeah there, there's <laughs> there's one of those there's a really rough one of those in blood and wine yeah where i was like this is not and it wasn't like i didn't think find the quest problematic i just thought it was really poorly designed mm-hmm. and i was like this can't be the same people who did this other quest that i did that was really good right yeah yeah the, the, the more the more i think about it the more i i feel like uh i don't think either of you are calling me out but i feel like a real dummy for not just putting that <laughs> together right away it's mm-hmm. like they they do it. Like, I mean, we talk, we went over this. Like they do a little bit to shade it because there's that other guy who comes in and it's like, oh, this person has access to the mm-hmm. the autopsy stuff. But yeah, I just you know maybe slow on the uptake or maybe you know uh, a more charitable way is that I wasn't role playing it enough to try to figure it out myself. I was kind mm-hmm. of just being told a story. You know, like you said, kind of along for the ride with it. Right. Right. Which
1: is, you know, it's a problem. You know, you, you, you fall into it. Not a problem, but, like, it's a thing that happens. Oh, with... I know it's a problem, Cool. Thanks for saying what you're all thinking. <laughs> no. Um, the the uh...
0: <laughs> no, like... uh...
1: problem is the wrong word. It is a thing that happens with, yeah. uh, you know, especially something, you know, something that uh, is uh, as otherwise well-written as this. right?
0: I, I, there's also a thing, too, where, like, you get kind of, I think in the, the ideal way that you want a game to work is where you can pretend to be a detective uh-huh. uh, as well when the character does it's so rare that a game will indulge that. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't like this game very rarely does it. Like it does it sometimes where you can kind of figure things out ahead of the characters and stuff, but that's something that video games are very bad at. Yeah. You know, like LA Noir never does it, even though it kind of sometimes feels like it does, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like you oftentimes are just being, you're watching a p- police procedural. You're not right. doing a police procedural. Yeah. And it's, it's a very rare thing for it to work. So I'm kind of out of the habit of doing so, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of putting myself in, in that kind of situation.
1: Right. Um try of trying to be one step ahead of the story. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just because I know that even if I figure it out, oftentimes I'm gonna run into that thing where like Will said, where like you can't clue in your character right. about it. You can figure it out, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um and that's yeah. how and, it works most and, times. And,
1: and, and that might be that might be fixed by a, a dialogue option that says like, oh I figured it out, you did it. Kill him and then live with it even if it's wrong. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually you have to, even then though, usually you just have to put in the, the steps. Right. You know, it's pretty rare that you can kind of sequence break if you've been smarter than a character. I'm sure there are exceptions to that. And like, you know, I can, if I spend a time thinking about it, I can, yeah. I can remember some, but I know that it's
1: rare. It's, it's a series that you dislike, but I just finished, um, uh, Danganronpa V3. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does something really good. One of the mechanics that it adds is the ability to lie. Like mm. to actually perjure in a, in a class trial. Um, and there are like specific times where you're supposed to do that. Like the right answer is to say something that is untrue to kind of break the other people out of a, out of a line of logic, um, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's wrong. Um, but there are back doors in certain cases where you can, (laughs) where you can charge up a lie, uh, when it is not specifically cueing you to do that and it will, um, take you on an alternate path. It's like a, like like a back door of the logic.
0: There's a bunch of like things about, That specific game in that specific series, I think would be neat that I would love to experience without the stuff that I don't like about it. Like it's just like the trappings get in the way of like, Mm -hmm. I want an all trials version of that. Yep. You know, I don't want to live with these characters. I don't like them, but I do. (laughs) I do like the trials and it's the same way I feel about most Phoenix Wright games too. Yep. Like I like somebody make a, a, a game that is those trials without the rest of it. And yeah. I would be really on board. Yeah, it's a it's a high cost of entry.
1: It's uh, also sixty you have...
0: hours or something, right? Like oh, V three? No, no. It's like a yeah. it's it's like a twenty five hour game. Oh, okay, for some reason, like maybe I read that for sure somewhere that oh, it was geez. like no sixty hours. Really, is really, really long. Too much <laughs> Like yeah, I was like Jesus Christ! Like a a sixty hour visual novel like that is something that I can't I cannot brook. <laughs> like no way.
1: No no. no. I, I, yeah, it's 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 definitely not that long. Like 25, yeah. yeah the, the, Which is
0: still still feels a little long for a visual novel to me, but not uh, like Guinness long. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so moving on here, Ian writes via contact. The Wild Hunt was my first and so far only Witcher title, but I found myself loving Geralt as a character after one specific mission. When you go rescue the Peller's goat, Princess. Geralt finds the goat in the woods and is using a bell to lure it back. It's a tedious process, but Geralt slowly grows more affectionate as they approach uh, its home. Uh, Then a bear attacks and Geralt yells, run, you stupid piece of shit, and has to fight the bear off. It gave me a hearty laugh as Geralt had just voiced my exact thought. Much like my other favorite protagonist, Solid Snake, my motivations and reasoning for actions in a game don't always line up. But those brief moments where you and your avatar line up cause lifelong fandoms.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I love that. I love when a character says what I'm thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i like that a lot too and that quest has the part where you're walking back and you say like you have the properties of a good roach you and (laughs) i can become great friends you don't talk much (laughs) and i I just always like that line about that goat um so very good (laughs) Mm -hmm. um ellen says via contact i I knew the wild hunt had me when in the midst of searching for a griffin i sought out the help of an isolated hunter living in the woods his name is mislov and he enlisted my help in hunting down a pack of wild dogs I followed Mislav deeper into the forest and found myself in the most convincing, convincing video game forest ever. Critters scurried under the br- brush, dappled light peeked through gaps in the waving trees. I was gobsmacked. With good headphones and no HUD and a little weed, the effect is intoxicating and consummately eff- immersive. Mislav led me to the site of the griffin attack, there, uh, thereby completing his mechanical purpose in the quest line. But because this is The Witcher 3, the game gives you an option to ask him more about himself. Mislov explains that he is a freak that was the local lord's hunter before being forcibly expelled. Good guy Geralt incorrectly assumes he is suffering from a werewolf's curse and offers to help, but turns off. Mislov isn't cursed. He was uh, treated monstrously by ignorant, powerful people. He was in a clandestine relationship with his lord's son, but when the lord found out, he was exiled. He exiled Mislav. Mislov's lover later committed suicide. This 10 to 15 minute stretch of gameplay sets the stage for encounter uh, uncounted hours of adventure. Witcher three is no ordinary video game, but a nuanced, well written, immersive experience in a class all its own. Right.
1: So yeah. we, we mentioned that like in the like in the episode where we talked about the um, the side quest or the main quest for, uh, for for White Orchard, and that mm-hmm. pa- like that that part falls a little bit into the uh, the barrier gaze problem a little bit if we're looking at if we're looking at tropes, but it does introduce that kind of ambiguity and you know aspect of the way that would play out in this uh, yeah and you know in Zelda times
0: yeah. yeah yep 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 um it also uh, alan brings up something that we didn't talk about really at all during the main episodes and i just want to point it out there is like we didn't talk about this game audio visually mm-hmm. like really at all but it does like graphically really work like there are you know vast expanses of nature that feel really great and we didn't talk about the the sound and, and music at all which like the music doesn't do a lot for me but i know a lot of people are huge fans mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. um you know it's to me it is fine but somebody you know it does a lot for some people, so there's got to be mm-hmm. something there. Yeah.
1: Uh, this game has some of the best grass I've ever seen
0: in it. Yeah, grass. <laughs> like,
1: it's it's hard to do um, as just a, as a material, and I, I feel like they nail it. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you look over those, like, wide fields of wheat uh, at the north end of Velen, um, off to the side of Novigrad, it's like, yep, this is, this is great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So moving on to some stuff that's, like, not just praise, like, there's, there's not that much that's in the way of, like, Terrible criticism of this, uh, but Stewart says via contact. I liked a lot of this game, but was turned off by something distressingly minor. One of the Gwent cards has flavor text that casual that really casually mentions sexual violence. It's on the Redanian foot soldier card. I don't know uh, that I'm not reading it wrong, but it seems like it's trying to be a joke. I was surprised because I didn't find the rest of the game so casual about sexual violence. But it gave but it gave it a stink that seemed to permeate every other time it was mentioned, which in a gritty game like this felt like a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I just pulled it up now and it definitely looks like it's making a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not that's not great. I that's I you know didn't do any Gwent. Right. So I, I didn't see that. But yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah. Tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Weird Autumn, who is another member of the community. Uh, somebody we talked to quite a bit. Uh, Weird Autumn says via contact. I'm cooler on The Witcher 3 than other people for a handful of reasons, but I need to talk about one of the bigger ones here. It's the boobs. I'm a lesbian. I like seeing boobs. But the way The Witcher uses sexuality and frames its female characters is aggressively straight and aggressively male in a way that I find alienating and uncomfortable. It's not Witcher 1 titty cards aggressive, but it's still very much there and still feels just very HBO. Women in The Witcher are nuanced, multifaceted, and have distinct personalities and motivations and goals, but also a conspicuous number of them look like they walked out of a centerfold and want Geralt to fuck them, and I think that sucks. There are a lot of things to recommend The Witcher, but I don't think it's a game I could ever really love, because every time Geralt walks in on a bathing lady, or a camera shows Kira Metz from any angle except for straight on, or they pan over to humping animals, things like that. It's like Transformers 2. It's a little reminder that this game knows its audience, and its audience is not me. And that's fine. It might not be a game for me, but it's a game for somebody, and I wouldn't take it from them. It just bums me out that there aren't more developers trying to do what CD Projekt Red is trying to do, Because when the RPG of the decade that you need to play uh, conversations uh, starts cropping up, I can't feel but a a little bit tiny, a tiny little bit left out. Yeah, that that is that is an absolute bummer. Yeah. Um, the, The thing that I think about when when I think about this response is that the stuff that is meant to to pander to not autumn is also stuff that I wish wasn't there. Right. Like it is things that I like this game in spite of not because of, so it is for me that adds nothing and takes away from you and is thus a net negative.
1: Right. You know, like regrettably, this is one of those things that feels very uncomfortable about all the praise that I've heaped on it because like, Oh, a lot of that praise happens because I'm in a position where I could ignore this and decide just not to be bothered by
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. It it is. It is one of those, like everybody draws their own line and you have the ability to draw a line kind of based on your position, Yeah. you know, and it's not always, it's not fair, right? Like it's not, it's not fair. It's not good. It is the, something that, like, I have the privilege to ignore, um, you know, and kind of roll my eyes at, but not actually be hurt by. Right. Um, You know, which I recognize as a thing, you mm-hmm. know, like that, that. It's a bummer that I get to do that. It's a bummer that it's not kind of made for everybody. I do wish that there was a game at this scope and this quality in general that didn't have that aspect. And I think that at some point we might get there, like mentioning the Witcher 1 collectible titty cards, like it is a spectrum like it is slowly surely maybe getting a little bit better <laughs> right. that by the time it is like 20 years too late, we'll be there and we will mm-hmm. stop having male gaze titty games. Right. Um. You know, and, and I, the sooner the better, like I don't, it's frustrating again, like just like I said, but it, the most frustrating thing is it's, it's something that hurts you and does nothing for me yeah. and does nothing. <laughs> you know, I just don't, don't need it. Like, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it, it has nothing to do with the strengths of the game. Like it has right. nothing to do with the qualities of it. Like when we spent our 11 hours or 14 hours or whatever talking sugar about this, it was not about Kirametsa's tits. Like no. that didn't even register. It's it was it was it, it, was, know, it was about like
1: how cool that dinner, like like the, the like basically her entire entire quest line leading up to the tower was.
0: Yeah, which would have been awesome if it were in a book. Right. Like that would have been worked as a script as a non-visual right element. You know, it just adding a little something for daddy. Mm -hmm. is never something that I am on board with.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things like there's an argument probably that this comes as baggage with the Witcher because, you know, it's established in canon that the, you know, every woman that Geralt associates with is this magically augmented super, super sorceress. Yeah. Super Fox. Right. 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 Yeah. Super model. Are are, artificially beautiful. It would be very, it would be very great if there was a visual vocabulary that was, you know, acceptable in games where it's like oh you can communicate that without gigantic breasts out there
0: yeah there there (laughs) there would have been a way to be faithful to like even something that was like a problematic canon Mm -hmm. that is not quite you know doesn't isn't excited about the the fact that the the boob rendering has gotten better right (laughs) you know which is like somebody on the staff was um, excited. Uh, about. And
1: obviously, the, because if you look at the DLC, uh, like costume packs, like yeah. everything is just these plunging necklines, and like here's series Skellige outfit, and there's barely
0: anything, like it's barely as graphic clothing in it. <laughs> and it, it's it's frustrating too because you can tell that like they know the difference because you look at somebody like siri based costume uh-huh. which like looks like a modest adventurer's costume to me mm-hmm. you know like that looks like something that if i were playing a DD character they could wear that yeah siri has a
1: figure and like there there's a there's a quest where you can see see her naked like that's that, 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 that's a thing about it but her general presentation throughout the entire game is that modesty right
0: yeah i mean i mean mostly just the clothing like the clothing right. is functional right you know which is which is all i want hmm for many of this stuff like it it's all I want to see on a costume yeah. in in a character in a video game mm-hmm. is that it looks like they're dressed to do the thing they're doing yeah you know as opposed to dress, being dressed as something for daddy right. uh you know so <laughs> the um it's a bummer and and a lot of people do really like that like that is a thing that is you know to dot's point like that is it is for somebody as far as that even that aspect mm-hmm. of it is for somebody there's like people who are just like whole hog into it like I like whole the, the, the hog. Wef- Please don't say a whole oh, yes. hog when you <laughs> they, talk they, about it. They this. put their whole hog into it. The other people who are uh, still getting used to hog as a euphemism for ding-dong. Like, but there are people who, who are just like, yes, this is a great, super great game. And I love that you get to see all these these titties uh-huh. and, and all these sorceresses are naked. And then there are people like you and I who aren't that person, but also have the privilege to like just kind of roll our eyes at it and move yeah, on. Yeah, just be
1: like, oh, I, I probably wouldn't play this in front of a lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean even even then like it is such a like hbo is a really apt point of comparison yeah. in lots of ways for this and it's like you know like you can you have game of thrones viewing parties and they have you know gross male gaze tit stuff all right. over i'm like it's not like not saying that to excuse it just saying that it's not the most egregious thing in the world it exists on a continuum it's not there yet yeah and it sucks that uh that it still leaves some people left out
1: yeah i feel i feel bad that this cost of entry is has left you excluded out of this thing that i otherwise genuinely enjoy and think yeah. there's a lot to get out of like that is senseless and it's i mean and that's why. like
0: autumn so, so Autumn's very active in our slack and is still playing the game right. and has like lots of other problems with the game other than just the the other mm-hmm. you know, boobs you know so it's right, right it's possible that it's you know it's not it's not you know like like she says it's it's something where uh you know something that there's something to recommend but could never really love because it doesn't mm-hmm. have that fit yeah and like that that's that's the bummer Mm -hmm. You know, because it is something that I really love, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not this is a problem. I recognize it doesn't erase everything I like about the game. It's just something that I like the game about, you know, like the game in spite of. Right. You know, everybody draws their own line. Everyone makes their compromises where they choose to. It's
1: it's probably very good for us to get used to talking about this, especially going forward. We're going to be as evangelical evangelical about this game and sing its praises. Because yeah. this is something that's gonna, going going to follow it, and like it's it's a complicated relationship that I think is yeah. that I think is good for us to wrap our head around. Right?
0: It's 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 the kind of thing where the 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 parts of this that I think that are masterful, like the magnum opus parts of it, have informed the way that I think about games. Right. The parts of it that are still kind of just a video game, and in, in this style, definitely suck. <laughs> you know, but it's it's it will be hard to. You know, in the future, like if I'm talking about writing in a game mm-hmm. like the the boobs in this game probably won't come up. Right. It's just this, this asterisk that's going to be next to it kind of forever, because I want to think, you know, again, like a long enough timeline, like things bend towards progress that the uh, this, you know, this will that will be seen as embarrassing kind of writ large eventually. Yeah. You know, um, that's the hope. Yep. Uh, but it, it's it's it is definitely it's good to know you know it's good to think about and recognize that there are people who don't have the ability to kind of just roll their eyes and move on. Yep. It's not ability, but don't have that privilege. Right. Um, you know, and it's uh I'm lucky that I can.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, um there is something like what you're asking for, something of the scope that doesn't have this problem coming
0: down the pike. Absolutely. Yeah. Like 1,000%. Like I would love I would love to see that. Like I don't. The 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 fan service stuff does nothing for me. Right. Like it is it is not what I want. It feels like wasted assets to me. Haha. <laughs> um kind <Hog>. of <laughs> hog. yes, yes. It feels like uh, It feels like a you know, wasted hog. Yeah, wasted hog. Like just yeah, just like you know, never <laughs> never need a game trying to tug my hog. And this game is no exception. <laughs> yeah. Um Frank, uh, Cole, what does Frank say? Well, Frank says, I'm writing about CD
1: Project Red's infatuation with Triss. The first two games featured her pretty heavily and pushed her as Geralt's main love interest. Hell, they barely mention Yennefer. It isn't until this one that they begin to feature, albeit so slightly, how manipulative of Geralt she is, taking advantage of his amnesia, specifically Triss taking advantage of, you know, Geralt's amnesia. Uh, they also change her from the novels uh, to match what I can only imagine is, uh, match what is appealing to gamers, making her a redhead, removing her burn scars, etc., it's one of the only things that I see as a disservice to the source material. Anyways, I'm a Jennifer man. Despite Gerald's gross hold over her, thanks to magic, she's constantly bucking against it. And even with the spell drawing her to him, she's her own woman. I think this game is the only one I've ever played where I've given a crap about the romance options.
0: Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I did not know about the uh, taking advantage of the amnesia angle. Yeah, with with Triss. I started replaying the first one again, and she knows that you have amnesia. And stuff, but I don't know if they later reveal or if it's only in the books that she knows more about the context right. of your, your past and your relationship and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do not know. Yeah. Um, so there might be some some context there, but I, I kind of get it, yeah. you know, just from from context there. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I we, we linked that um zero or that uh, extra credits video on the romance options yes. in this in one of the earlier episodes. Um, and I am with you in this game doing that really, really well. Um, you know, the opposite of turning that into a meter you fill up. Yeah. Um, Fletch, also a community member we talked about, we talked about quite a bit. Um, Fletch says, I came to The Witcher 3 ass backwards. I've been reading the novels as they were translated for a bit, but the games were too janky for me to want to spend 50 plus hours with. Then a buddy of mine who was really into them roped me in by having me play Blind Chair slash Lore Guy in an LP of Blood and Wine. When I didn't have the controller, I was won over by the writing. And we had more than a couple arguments between recordings about how to handle some of the events as we clearly had diverging Geralt in our heads. <laughs> um, I told, uh, told you that story, uh, to tell you this one, which of three is a game where I love the writing, but I hate the gameplay attached with so much running back and forth quests that branch into two to five smaller quests regularly. And the bugs I occasionally had, let me tell you when Geralt and all his enemies are invisible, save their weapons. The combat is a nightmare. And remember monsters don't always have weapons. Um, <laughs> I've been playing it slowly over the past year and I'm still dragging my feet through act two as of this email. At least the game cannot possibly make me want to scream what the shit when it ends, uh, as much as the novels do. Probably.
1: <laughs> Not knowing how the novels ends, I, 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 I don't know.
0: <laughs> well now you have you have uh, you have screaming what the shit to yeah. look forward to. <laughs> there we go. I'm gonna get there. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> i like the the I understand that it is a pot like glitches and the combat are popular complaints of this game but as we mentioned like i had a very different experience yeah like i ran into relatively few uh, glitches like the the voices cut out for one quest for me um it wasn't a big deal and i've never i don't have a problem with the combat mm-hmm. um so yeah. but i understand that a lot of people do
1: yeah so all, all i can do is say like shrugging that didn't happen to me it sucks that it happened to you
0: yeah yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a bummer they have the experience i wonder if it's a what the platform is if that makes a difference i don't know a PS4, maybe the PS4 is less glitchy, but has worse load times. I don't know. The load times sucked. Yeah, the load times uh, I had that, really I had that bad. experience. Yeah, the load <laughs> times were pretty excruciating. Like, not Bloodborne pre-patch excruciating, but still pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Andrew writes via contact. I've played games where the side content feels like a necessary evil to level, your, to level yourself up to be ready to take on the main story. I've played games where the main story is bland and the fun lives and dies by the fun that you make for yourself in the side content. Nothing in The Witcher 3 ever felt like a chore. Even the most mechanically rote quests are livened up by Geralt's dry wit or, in some cases, his dry bemusement. I think the only time I was really let down was on my second playthrough. On my first, I, I avoided Gwent like a plague-ridden maiden. So when I was hunting down Horson Jr., I ran into his casino with steel sword Drawn, ready to go medieval Rambo on them. By the end of my first run, I'd come around on Gwent and found myself loving it. So I was a bit sad when, on run two... After I did the uh, did that quest by playing Gwent and trying to pump up <laughs> and trying to pump uh, Junior's goons for information, the quest ended with one of them accusing me of cheating and being forced to fight my way out anyway. That lack of choice is all the more glaring in light of how the game approaches other meaningful choices. There's no karma meter and few branching paths, but your choices will have an effect on the people around you, most notably Siri. I recall seeing some games, games publication refer to the game as, as a fatherhood simulator, uh, and that's a pretty apt description for achieving her various endings. The choices you're given uh, that affect the, uh, the ending are so minor in the moment, but in retrospect, mean so much. And more importantly, uh, you have to think about what's best for Siri the person, not what you think is best for Siri the girl you want to protect from the world because of your father's uh, love for her. No, there is no karma meter as imposed by an all-knowing arbiter of good and bad. Instead, your karma is subjective based on the viewpoint of those affected by your decisions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I only had a couple of times where, like, fighting was the only option, too. Yeah. Like, I definitely noticed it a few times. and there, there are a number of times where it's not. You know, like, there is a—I uh, think it is one of the DLCs, and this is not really a spoiler. I think there's one of the fistfight things you can get out of by, you know, without fighting. Hmm. Uh, you know, things like that. Like there, are, there are times where you can't, and that to me points to either just like the right hand, not knowing what the left is doing in scenario design, maybe. Yeah. Cause having to do the fight anyway is a real, uh, you know, it's is a free stock move. standard. Yeah. yeah. It's a Bush league move, but it, one that you see a lot, Yeah. you know, like uh, we're all, all diverging paths leading to the same place. Um. So I, I didn't notice that one specifically and only noticed a few of them in the game, but they're definitely there. And uh, it's it's a like a bright light cast long shadows kind of thing. Like the uh, those individual moments feel worse because the game generally doesn't indulge in that bush league shit. Right.
1: Gaps and missteps up stand out.
0: Yep. 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 Um. Yeah. Uh. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, you know, about the the fatherhood simulator? Like, agreed mm. on on points and and how that uh, deals with you know it actually weirdly enough though when you say like in, as opposed to having a an, an omniscient arbitrator of morality, um, it's more about what people think. That reminds me of Alpha Protocol a lot. Yeah. where you know it's not a right and wrong it's what does one person like versus what somebody else you know likes mm-hmm. you know, what do people want to hear and yep. that's an interesting play space to, to be in i think yeah um john says "By contact this game is still one of my favorites i can imagine many people uh praise this game so i'm going to go uh in the other way despite my love for it Skelega. when i first saw the map for these islands i let out an audible sigh <laughs> it seemed that the game was dragging on a bit long then there was more of this focus on Yennefer, who is a supervillain, callously destroying <laughs> people for her own advantage. Okay. That's a read. Yeah, that's a read. Um, yeah, that's a read. Um, the side quests generally take a dive, or writing and creative-wise. I could have done without the entire area. Another problem was quest resolutions. In Novigrad, uh, there was a woman who was shouting rape, and you, cho- you choose to save her. She is thankful. It happens a second time, but this woman is angry because that's what she paid, uh, what she was paid for by the John and now uh, has scared him off. Is this a social commentary on white knights helping others, despite the whole game being that? During the Crone Quest, you have to choose between saving some kids or a whole town. I know it's meant to show the consequences to actions, but it seems nobody thought about how a human would deal with that situation. Me personally, I would have liked to have warned the town, or maybe suggest arming themselves or attacking, uh, because they have nothing left to lose. Also, there are plenty of other witchers around. Why couldn't they help? Maybe the Baron could be enticed to defend the town if they join the Baron's Fiefdom, or Nilfgaard. It's presenting false difficult choices, which ruins the experience for me. Many times I just tried exploring places and was punished consistently. It's best to uh, just go to town, collect all the quests before marching out. The map looked like a Far Cry game, and it had little in the way of ruins or landmarks to entice you to explore. I still love this game, and there's, but there is still uh, plenty of room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, so the the two things I want to uh, hit on that is like one, the thing with the, the baron with the town, uh, you know, that kind of false difficulty. Like at a certain point, I feel like uh, it's a little like criticizing that is a little bit like criticizing Coca-Cola because of the fact that soda has sugar in it. Like all video games exist on the spectrum where they are trying, you know, all video game role playing games games are Mm choice-based would love to be in a situation like a tabletop game where like it is literally somebody improvising solutions. Right. You know, um, and and you can't do that. So they have to exist on the spectrum where they're, you know, like, yes, you could go ask for help. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same reason like, but it's, it's, it's kind of baked into that, into the, the medium and baked into the genre. It's the same reason why like, uh, you yell at characters in horror movies to go call the police like they're not doing the right thing. They're doing the thing that is dictated by the the medium and genre, mm-hmm. you know. So like, yes, in this situation where uh, the town gets attacked, which like you don't know the town is going to get attacked. No. Also. Right. So like any of these things that would be preparation uh, wise, they're brought up like it, it happens as a surprise. The tree says that he's not going to do anything. Right. And then does. Um, but even if you did know, like you can't do everything because it has to have a finite number of options. Right, right. You know, it just it's uh, I don't see that as false difficulty. I see that just as kind of part of the buy in for playing a game.
1: It's a little bit of like the the uncanny valley problem, right? Um, this yep. is, I think, part of the reason why specifically mentions of Bethesda games uh, cause discussions online to kind of veer out of control, um, mm-hmm. because when something is presented as being completely wide open and you can do anything, any kind of limitation or any kind of avenue that you can foresee that the game doesn't allow for um, feels like either a plot hole it feels like an artificial constraint or at the very worst it feels like uh, a waist high wall that you can't get over that would let you directly solve the problem with fewer consequences right yeah you know and in this game that you know often allows for multiple different outcomes um you know for for them to <laughs> for them to seemingly railroad you into a bad into a bad response or into, into a bad outcome uh even if there are options that could that could have uh, affected this that can feel shitty when I think what they're trying to go for, you know, for me personally feels more valuable, which is you're making again, you're making decisions um, with incomplete information. And oftentimes the best of intentions don't work out for everybody.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. To me, to me, that juice is worth the squeeze. Like right. it yeah. is that that messaging that you are a powerful agent, but you are still not powerful enough to know to have perfect knowledge. Uh, so the things you're going to do are going to be are going to surprise you as well. Is worth that feeling of like lack of verisimilitude. Right. Whenever I read somebody who who has a, a problem with that kind of thing, I really hope they play D anD D. Like, is like what you want is a good open ended dungeon master. Right. Uh, because that that is how that is the way you can get that experience. Yep. Um. You you cannot get that in video games. Right. Uh. At this point, the other thing too that like I want to bring up is like the the thing where you go and you save the girl who is having like sex play with somebody and you think that you're being virtuous. I don't see that as commentary on like white knighting in general. Mm -hmm. I think that is a way to try to, I think that is probably, you know, misguided or not another attempt at humor, but like that is a thing that happens. Yeah. You know, like it is a thing where like, uh, one of like a good friend of mine who is a girl who I used to date, like after we dated, uh, without naming names, like got super involved in like kink community stuff. Mm-hmm. And talking to her is a, a real trip because there are things that uh, she partakes in and is interested in and likes that are uh, go against everything that I know that you should or sh- you know that you should be able to do. Right. You know, yeah. like things that like you do not do uh, to a woman, things you do not say, et cetera. Um, but because they're contextualized and consensual as a thing, like they're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 kind of whatever people do in their own privacy mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, so it, I don't feel like that. Seen that little bit is inherently like problematic yeah i don't think and i think that the idea was just to subvert expectations i don't feel like that was supposed to be a commentary on white knighting no no um there, there's another quest in novograd that
1: does something very similar where there's an elf woman who's being harassed um mm-hmm. just by some villagers you know for you know ra- racial reasons like you you know just walk up on the situation and like oh i need to need to stop this you go up and talk to them like hey bug off you know, and the, what you get in return for that isn't like a, you know, oh, thank you. It's, you know, you just, you just did that to make yourself feel better. Like that, that, yeah. that is what she says. Like, you know, you should have trusted me to being the person who lives this life, you know, to, to get through this situation and not walk up and think that you had the solution to this problem.
0: Yeah. You could solve it. Right. Like, I think that is just them trying to, to subvert expectations Yeah, more than anything, but there is like a shock element to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you. When you, when you are first exposed to, or you first like see that, like, oh, there are like people who are just like, oh, they, you know, uh, are are into things that you do not like that go against everything that you've ever learned. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a weird thing, and it's hard to get used to. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like odd to hear. And that that you know, I think that that's kind of the play space that it's it's messing around in, more than anything. Yeah. Whether they do it successfully or whether that is the place of this game to be doing that is up for debate, right? Like, right. I'm not saying that it's automatically above board because of that. But I don't think that it was a reactionary message. Right.
1: Yeah. Or, or just, like, s- s- stripped of any of the of, of the value stuff, you know, stripped of the theming, it is more of what The Witcher 3 does, which is you act you acted based on incomplete information. You didn't know that you were fucking things up by taking an action here.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is something that the game does time and time again. Like it is very right. interested in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this me or you? Um, I, this is me. Okay.
1: Um, so this is a good one to leave off on. Uh, Murray writes via contact. Hey guys, to be honest, I was flabbergasted when you decided to do to do The Witcher Three on the show. Not because this isn't one of my best, one of the best games I've ever played, uh, but I had this misconception in my head that y'all would hate it. I think this is a good example of a game that is so strong in its narrative and world building that most minor problems, mildly janky combat, visual glitches, don't bother me at all. I'm enamored with the characters and the setting, and feel that carrying so much and, and feel that carrying so much weight for me these days. Um, thanks so much for all the blah 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 um, <laughs> praise here, sure. saying hope Duckstream went well. Duckstream went very well. Thank you, um, and then leaves with a P.S. after playing The Witcher. Are you guys interested in CD Projekt Red's new title, Cyberpunk 2077, in any capacity? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, jokes on you, Murray. We both <laughs> didn't have visual glitches and liked the combat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the uh, even the things that would make sense for us to dislike, we liked. <laughs> yep. Um Yeah, I, I'm really excited for that. I don't mm-hmm. have any specific uh, love for that setting. My understanding is it's very similar to Shadowrun without magic. Right. Or Meta Humans, I think it's like a pretty stock standard, like Gibson, uh, cyberpunk setting based mm-hmm. on the the tabletop game. And I really want to see what they do with it, mostly because it's been so long since we've had like a a game that feels cyberpunk to me, like something like Prey is kind of close ish, you know, but it's also takes place on a space station. Like, yeah, it that, doesn't that, have that,
1: that hue is so close to system system shock that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it takes place in society. And that's the cool thing about. Yes. About the, cyberpunk. the,
0: the punk part. The punk yeah. part is important to cyberpunk. Like it's right. not just a cyber game. Right. You know, I'm, I'm really excited, but I want to see what they do with it. And like it's been a while since we've had a cyberpunk game. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I, I like that genre quite a bit.
1: I'm a believer in this, uh, in this team. I think they do very
0: good work and uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, then if, who knows, like if, if it is as good as it could be, like that might be a thing that we do, you know, for the show as well. Yeah. Like that could be uh, something that we have to revisit Um, because there's definitely, this team has earned a lot of trust for me. Very much so. Yeah. Um, thanks everybody. We're writing in as we meant, This is the most uh, responses we've got. We had to call a lot of them again. Don't let that discourage you. Um, if you have anything to say about the games we were doing in January and February, mm-hmm. uh, you have the January 15th and February 15th, respectively, as your deadlines. Yeah. Um, the games we're doing January. in
1: January. Uh, mm-hmm. We are covering WarioWare as a series. That's our live episode. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing Child of Light, a recent indie game by Ubisoft, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and Dungeon Keeper. That is Dungeon Keeper one. Initially, we announced uh, Dungeon Keeper two, uh, but mm-hmm. that is incorrect.
0: Yes, uh, doing the first one, it is a little bit easier to emulate and uh, a little bit easier to make tolerable on modern systems. Right. Like play in windowed mode, change the resolution and stuff, etc. Yeah. Uh, so that's. If you have things to say about those, uh, January fifteenth is the day. We recognize some people have already heard the uh, live episode because the mm-hmm. uh, PRG put it up on their YouTube. But we want to put that out for everybody. Yeah. Regardless we thought it was a real fun episode. Yep. We also recorded additional stuff about the show um, yes. as well. So. Yep. So that will be a little bit longer than that. So there'll be some bonus stuff. Yeah. Um February is our first uh Patreon backer uh theme month where somebody has given us a theme uh and picked a game. Uh this is Mitch mm-hmm. uh Bonfireside Chat Alama, and Buddy um who has chosen Max. Yeah. So February is for lovers and February is for Max. Yes. <laughs> um, and i'm really excited about the games
1: that we uh the, the, that we're choosing to approach um, the first one is going to be jumping flash an early game on the playstation that's an era that we don't really cover an awful lot um yeah. and uh i'm excited to finally break that thing open
0: I, I i have a lot of affection for this series i played both those games when they their contemporary and bought them on psp when they came to the, the ps1 classics um they are not only early ps1 games but early 3d platformers that take an interesting tact towards solving the problems of 3d platformers right um they're very cool games you play a mechanical frog as well (laughs) uh mechanical frogs are cool right um after that uh we are doing uh armor decor for answer uh on the ps3 or xbox 360 i believe it's on both those systems yes um, um <laughs> first
1: armored core game we've done this is yeah. uh, a from game. It's a series that over the entire run of bonfireside chat, people wondered if we would uh kind of go in for it um or cover it in some way this is the this is the opportunity this is the game specifically that mitch has uh, uh
0: requested because of Miyazaki's involvement. Miyazaki's involvement and also it's a modern one, so it should have some some kind of ease of use yes. stuff is is my understanding uh because I think the early ones of these are pretty clunky right. If I recall, um, really looking forward to that. I don't have any experience with the series. I've, I've bought one of the games and played it for like two seconds, and then stopped for one reason or another. Um, never gave it a, feri- a serious shot. Right. So, looking forward to that. Um, and then finally, we're doing Titanfall Two, uh, the single player campaign. Yes. Um, so, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> this is another game, fairly recent, a game that a lot of people have requested that we cover. Uh, it is described as being kind of the heir apparent to like Half Life Two in terms of
0: single player scenario design. Mm-hmm. um and i'm quite looking forward to it me too um it's something like it's been on my list forever and uh yeah I've, I've and it's also i'm glad when we can do a shooter that has a robust single player campaign because mm-hmm. i just i know myself and even though people really love the multiplayer i, I just know that i'm not going to play it right uh so apparently there's a lot to talk about it's also apparently got a level of the year contentions with dishonored 2 the year it came out like there is a level in that uh in that game that is supposed to be on par yeah with the best levels in dishonor 2 which like this i gotta see <laughs> uh, sign me up um, so, yeah sign me up for that that's that's speaking my language so i'll buy, I'll really buy the cool. whole seat but i'll only need the edge yeah, so, so exactly <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll buy the entire u2 ticket but i only need the edge um the yeah so the I'm looking forward to all those things. Um, we also have stuff planned for March and mm-hmm. everything. We have some stuff planned for the rest of uh, spring. It's all very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those deadlines are January 15th and February 15th, respectively. Um, please write in. So if, do. If you want to support the network, what can they do, Cole? They can go to patreon.com
1: slash duckfeedtv. Check out the reward tiers. Uh, we believe there's good stuff across all of them, no matter how much you can give. Um, even if it's only a small amount, uh, it does make a difference for us. Um, Patreon backed off on the changes that they announced. Uh, mm-hmm. so if you were, uh, kind of anxious about throwing in support thinking like, uh, this is, this isn't going to
0: work, uh, do not fear because things are yeah. as they always were. Yeah. They didn't do it. They still say they're going to try to do something like literally everyone online suggested better things they could do. <laughs> yeah. Like a little button that's like, Hey, start my patronage now or start at the beginning of the month. Uh huh bada bing yeah, making more. it optional bada bing like a little button there, that says i'll pay the fees <laughs> yeah bada bing like there, there's so many bada bings it is it is like it is like a uh, a big bang theory convention <laughs> well uh bada bang that's the thing that they say right the um so it is you know that that storm cloud passed over without incident uh we're really glad um you know if they ever just know also to uh, extend us a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and trust. Like if, if they start trying to pull some shit, um, we had plans if they were going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, for wh- how we could change, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna leave you guys fucked. No. Um, so if, if Patreon tries to do something, we're we're going to make it as easy as possible for you guys to support us if you want to. So just know that we will have something to do. We didn't come out with something with this because I've never seen a major platform make an announcement that had a more negative response. And I, <laughs> thought that there was a good chance that they backed off. They right. would you know, back off from it, which they did for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. if they come back with something else that is equally odious, like we'll figure something out. Right. Uh, um, so give us a chance to think about it and stuff. Cause it's not, it's not easy. Like several people wrote in, they were just like, Oh, just switch platforms. It's like, well, um, like, you know, that that's, that's incredibly hard. And you know, a lot of this stuff is based on momentum. Like it would be right. very difficult to build up, you know, that the same kind of support right. kind on of a new platform. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um, also a thank you to the people who, you know, express their concerns directly to Patreon on the back of mm-hmm. this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, people, people who listen, you know, like there, there, there's a fine line between sending the flying monkeys in, um, and mm-hmm. also like directing people to do what'll make the biggest difference. But people who, people who express those concerns and kind of added to the level of noise to let them know your sincerely held beliefs about how this might harm the creators that you enjoy.
0: We really appreciate if you took the time, uh, to, uh, to do that in a constructive way. 1000%. So thanks everybody for doing that, you know, and, and know that we're with you. Like I, I sent in my letter, like if this comes up again, like I am in the same boat as you and, mm-hmm. and we'll be expressing my distaste as well. Yep. And if it comes down to that distaste not being enough, you know, we'll figure something out. Right. So thanks everybody for your support. <laughs> thanks for sticking around. If you did, uh, if you did leave at that point, you know, I understand. Um, if you want to come back, we're here for you. If not also Umbasa, <laughs> um, the, uh, if you don't want, You know, if you're unable to support us through Patreon or would rather support another way, um, you can also tell friends about the show. You can leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, We've gotten some very nice reviews recently. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also use uh, our tip jar. If you go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, there's an Amazon referral link. It doesn't cost you an extra cent, um, but gives us a little bit of a kickback. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can listen to other shows on that work as well, which doesn't actually help spread the word, but does, you know. You should listen to them because they're good and it, it helps us because it feels good. <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, those are all things you can do. Yeah. This is the last episode
1: of 2017. This has been a great year for us. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. want to extend all of your thanks if you've, you know, come on board or continue listening throughout this year, especially as we went through a huge change across the network, kind of shifting mm-hmm. things around. Uh, we have, well, you know, a lot of fun stuff planned for 2018. I'm very excited. Um, and I hope everybody has uh, a, a really uh, fun and safe winter holiday season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year. Oh, and just real quick while I'm addressing questions before we get them. Um, whatever Shadows Die Twice is, we'll probably cover here. Yeah. So I appreciate everyone who's like, hey, bring back Bonfireside Chat. Like, there's not a Patreon for time. Um, <laughs> like that time code movie or whatever. Like, <laughs> in time. Donates, yeah. yeah, in time. Um, if there's a Patreon for time, we could do it. Um, we can't, but we will cover thoroughly uh, whatever ends up being this heir apparent to the Soulsborne games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah um And I did see the teaser. Yes. So I, I appreciate people bringing it to my attention. I saw the teaser. <laughs> yep. It does look cool. There's almost nothing there. I I think it is very funny that like there is a cottage <laughs> industry of 10 minute plus videos yeah. analyzing this. uh I, I was generously giving it 30 seconds, but it's actually like 11. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's 11 seconds. Yep. It's it's, um,
1: it's very funny, but do not call it funny because it is deadly serious.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is deadly serious that uh we can speculate. I, I mean, it, really, I don't put that on. The content creators, I put that on FromSoft for like <laughs> for putting doing out this, this. non thing. Yeah. yeah, putting out this non thing. Like <laughs> yeah. no more teasers. Yeah. You know. I don't I don't need to be teased. Show me something I don't we need to be hustled like yeah. yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> just come on, just come come to me like an adult and, and let's do this.
1: Like <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. mean, if they if they just put out a tweet that said Bone and Blood, like people think, "Oh my gosh, Bloodborne too." Like it yeah. would have accomplished the same thing. <laughs>
0: yeah or li- you know just literally like game yeah <laughs> 2019 and just like okay you know wait what could it be here's here's a here's a 20 minute video guessing what kind of game it could be
1: yeah
0: you know? um oh. again i don't blame people for doing those videos or enjoying l- no. them it's just like come on from they gotta follow the heat i understand yeah give us some information from <laughs> um so until next time uh what should they watch out for
1: um watch out for 14 plus hours about a very good game